Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. Hello, friends and neighbors. This is Dave Slusher. This is the Evil Genius Chronicles. It is Tuesday, November 30th, 2004. I apologize for the unusually long absence, the Thanksgiving holiday through a kink and things. And two different days, I was planning on doing an episode. Uh, Saturday, I was going to do one with my brother. That never happened for various reasons, mainly me being too tired. I was trying to do one last night. I got interrupted several times, uh, and frankly, what was there was not any good anyway. It was kind of low energy, and I was sort of doing it out of obligation because I wanted an episode out there, but it just wasn't really happening. And in retrospect, I had like a 10-minute blow-by-blow rundown of the Thanksgiving weekend, which was probably way, way too much, and so it kind of killed the whole thing. So thank you for PJ Cabrera, who happened to uh, leave me a comment on the weblog saying, hey, where's the show? (laughs) How how come there are no episodes? Uh, I'm not trying to let people down by not having an episode out there, but it's nice to be missed when you're not there. It's always better when people notice you're not around than thinking you're there when you're not. So um, the Thanksgiving holiday was good. Oh, before I get too far, I got to remember to make this a habit. Our theme music and music bed is provided by the generous permission of the Gentle Readers. Gentlereaders.com. Buy their albums. Buy their albums. They're very, very good. Very freaking good. Buy them. Okay. So, I'll give you the 20-second rundown of the Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, My mom came up. My brother and his family came up. We ate a lot, we slept a little, and had a good old time. (laughs) So uh, my brother was kind of disappointed because I had invited him to do a podcast with me. On Saturday, the women folk went shopping, and he and I kind of killed the afternoon by ourselves, uh, several hours of which was involved in napping. (laughs) And then uh, we went to Radio Shack to get a couple missing pieces to be able to do a two-person interview. Um, I used to be set up for that, and some things had just broken. And so I needed new connectors and things like that. And so we got that Saturday afternoon. and then But then Saturday night would have been the only time we could have really done it. And then I, Saturday night, I just wasn't into it. So uh, I apologize to my brother James for not uh, sucking it up and doing one then when, when he could have been involved. I wrote on the text weblog about this uh, Thanksgiving episode of WGBH Morning Stories which I thought was fantastic. It was Tony Khan, and he was telling his own story from his own life about his father and being blacklisted in the late 40s. His father was a screenwriter who was linked to the Communist Party. Don't know, you know, some of those linkages were really, really tenuous. But he refused to talk to the House Un-American Activities Committee, which meant he got blacklisted and couldn't work. And this is a really dark period in American history, you know. That's... uh, People think of that in the kind of halcyon times, but it's the same time when we were, you know, locking up Japanese. There was like a 10, 15 year period where we locked up the Japanese because of their ethnicity, 
We, uh, you know, the whole house un-American activities thing. People have this kind of rosy filter for those times. There was a lot of horrible shit going on back then, as there is today, by the way. But the story, it was Tony's personal story and his father's kind of reaction to this bad situation that they're in by kind of throwing a big party, despite the kind of strain and stress on everybody involved. And uh, I just thought it was very moving, and I wish it were not so relevant to today's times. So I wrote that up on the uh, text weblog, I guess Wednesday or Thursday, Friday or Saturday morning, I sit down to the computer, and lo and behold, I've got an email from Tony Khan, you know, thanking me for writing about it, and, uh, you know, wanting to kind of continue the conversation. We, we had a very brief, like, 90-second conversation at BloggerCon. And uh, that's when I realized where this podcasting has turned the universe upside down. (laughs) When a guy like Tony Khan wants to talk to a schmuck like me, things have gone haywire. They've gone good haywire, but they, the natural order has really been uh, inverted and horribly disrupted. (laughs) Now, I don't want it to go back to normal because I really like this disruption. But uh, just to point out, life is fugazi, my friends. Got a nice mention on the Rock and Roll Geek Show, and, you know, I don't want to play favorites, I don't want to pick and choose, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or slight people, but I gotta say, of all the mentions, and this is even including, like, Daily Source Code and all the places somebody can talk about me, and it really excites me, I think the Rock and Roll Geek Show is my favorite to, to be mentioned on. And I was gonna play the clip, but last time Butler and I got into this, like, House of Mirrors, you know, infinite mirror thing, where I played him talk about me, and then he played me playing him talking about me, and I played him playing me playing him, and it, it got kind of crazy. So I'm not going to play the actual clip, but uh, he was talking about me and my big machine music stuff, and, and it was really cool. He uh, mentioned that he thought I was smart, which means I got the wood pulled over Butler's eyes, and I only got about six billion more people to go. <laughs> So that was all good, but what was really cool is that very shortly before he played that uh, piece from me and talked about me, he played Escape by Alice Cooper. And what I was talking about in in my clip was about how even when Butler is playing, you know, not necessarily the most challenging genre of music, he plays stuff that either I haven't heard in a long time and I love, or stuff I've never heard. So it's kind of a lot like your, you know, average rock station might be in, uh, you know, any municipality, but it's not the same stuff that's just been played to absolute death. It's all refreshing, or, you know, or it's it's new. The the the, the crops have been rotated. You know, it's something you haven't heard in years. And he played Alice Cooper's Escape, which is one of those songs I, I love most of Alice Cooper's uh, work, and but a lot of it I don't have a lot of it on tape, and so I hear it, you know, but I don't. I go long periods between hearing it. I think I have the, like the self-titled albums, the only one that I have. Uh, it's got Under My Wheels and I'm 18 and that stuff. But this was off Welcome to My Nightmare, which is a great album. And uh, so I loved both him uh, talking about me and I loved the juxtaposition of Alice Cooper, who really and truly is, is an artist I love a lot, who has gone the non-big label, non-real label in his later years. Well, the funny thing about Alice Cooper is when you go in and you listen to a lot of the stuff, and, and I was just old enough to kind of become, to start being self-aware as a, in, a child when Alice Cooper was kind of rampaging and people were upset. And I remember there being a furor when he was on The Muppet Show, for Christ's sake. 
And I re- so I remember all that kind of stuff. And you go back and you listen to the stuff that had like the parents wild-eyed about his influence. And it's easy listening <laughs> by modern standards. I mean, there's nothing shocking about the music whatsoever. It's uh, standard. So you would hear, you could hear it on you know your oldie station. And you wouldn't notice it. You know, you could put it next to Paul Anka, and it sounds about <laughs> like it fits in place. It's it's just amazing how the that all that stuff has kind of the, the the rockness has been devalued over time to where it just doesn't seem that thrashy, even though at the time it was like blowing everyone's doors off. It's kind of crazy, but that was cool too. Uh, always glad to hear from Butler, and. Uh, should be a shout out to Mike Gohagen who did several shows that I love, and the more I hear from Gohagen, I, I've listened, I've watched some of the movies that he's recommended, loved them all, and I'm realizing his tastes and mine are very close. And that's one thing you always have to do with a mu- movie critic or somebody reviewing stuff is calibrate their taste to yours. And so, for example, I was always much closer to Ebert than Siskel. If they disagreed, 95% of the time I went with Ebert. Well, Gohagen. Thus far, as far as I can tell, he and I are like lockstep. He interviewed the he, he reviewed the Limey, one of my favorite Soderbergh movies. Uh, I watched the Kid Stays in the Picture, which he recommended. Thought it was fantastic. It, it, so everything he's talked about, I just love. He also agreed with me on that. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. So Mike Gohagen is my critic. He's my eyes and ears. And uh, anyone who has at all similar taste, this is the guy. MWGblog.com. But it should also be noted that Mike Gohagen is now sponsoring the Rock and Roll Geek Show. He's doing it kind of as a proof of concept to show that there's some value, uh, that some money can be put into this. Now, obviously, it becomes just sort of a Ponzi scheme if it's just, uh, you know, podcasters paying to be sponsored on other, paying to be the sponsors of other podcasters' podcasts. You know, you get kind of a circle jerk there. But he's just doing it to kind of break the logjam and try to get some outside money into this medium. And God bless you, Michael Gohagen. You, uh, you rock, dude. I am going to play a little clip about somebody talking about me. And this is Nicole Simon from Useful Sounds. And she's talking a little about me and my potty mouth. And I'm going to play this and I'm going to stop it right quick because there's something. I think I'm going to take a little bit of this out of context and use it <laughs> in my production. Back to more or less work safe things. The last Dave Slasher was kind of irritating. I th- that's that's the part. I think the last Dave Slasher was kind of irritating. I think that I'm going to drop that in here and there. Okay, back to Nicole. I think it was um, not as he usually would uh, make a podcast and I am had the feeling I have when I'm in a room with the boys and the boys are looking something women would not like to see. Let's describe it that way. And his his language was was kind of strong, which was okay. I, I didn't I didn't took it as offending me, but I was a little bit surprised. Usually he keeps lower profile would be the one way to put it, but um, interesting. There's another dark side of Dave. We <laughs> you have no idea. Oh, good lord. Yes, there is a dark side to Dave. We all must learn from, and perhaps we can achieve th- some things from him. So let's see what in the future 
Dave will bring us and yes of course please please Dave tell us about your BitTorrent experiment we would like to learn from you and if you let us learn very very much from you perhaps we will also call you podcasting daddy boing <laughs> yeah podcasting daddy yikes Some, something seems wrong to me about that whole thing it just uh, I feel vaguely uneasy like uh, a leisure suit guy hanging out with 18 year old girls at the notion of being you know podcast daddy but um, I think I remember the episode, and I think I had a, a flat-out tirade of profanity, and I, I don't even remember who was the butt of this. I don't remember what it was directed at, but I had a, like an absolute outburst. I think it was to to big media machine, which often get it, or or somebody. Uh, yeah, I don't remember who it was, but I remember I had a long like thirty-second string of nothing but profanity. I think the CS phrase was in there, which I don't typically use uh, in podcasts. The CS compound word, shall we say. Nicole is the first person, I think, who's ever mentioned that. People here and there, you know, talk about uh, my not work safeness. And that's this is in the disclaimer. So the very first thing anyone gets in the feed ought to include this from here on out. But, you know, every so often, I'm going to let it rip. And that's just the way it's going to go. And there is a dark side to me, you know, I like to be the kind of jovial guy, but uh, I border on the manic depressive and sometimes, uh, sometimes the anger comes out. And in fact, if you listen to that Voices in the Head episode with Eileen Gunn, I talk a little about this generation being the kind of post baby boomer kind and, uh, you know, the, pro the, the kind of lead of this generation in that Strauss and Howe, you know, the guys that wrote the Generations book. And so they have the like the guys who were the formers of punk, you know, the people who were born say in 1960, as the very beginners, as the very kind of first people in my generation. And then I, you know, six or seven years after that, and uh, I talked, we talked in that interview, uh, kind of in the context of Kurt Cobain. But I say generationally, I've got this anger that just never goes away, never ever goes away. At my best, I still have this like burning ember of anger in my heart and I've never gotten rid of it and I never expect to and some of it is generational uh, directed at the baby boomers and this growing up in their shadow and always being told that all the wonderful things have happened and you missed it you'll never experience it and you can't understand it because you weren't at Woodstock where all good things happened and you know bite me but yes there is a dark side to me that was the point of all this story now I'm gonna play some music and I'm going to start off with another Gentle Reader song. I'm going to play maybe, I had three queued up. I'll probably I'm going to go too long to do three. But this is another Gentle Reader song. And like I said before, I'm not, I have no explicit permission for this one. But it is given away for free on the Flat Earth Records website, which is their record label. And it's been up there for, I think, three or four years. So uh, I ain't given nothing away by playing this song for you. This is from their second album. They've got three. This is the middle of three called You in Black and White is the name of the album. And it's they were in transition to the band. The guy who's the, uh, the drummer for Better Than Ezra actually drums on this album. And this is a song entitled Ruthless.
And that was The Gentle Readers, same band that does the theme song with Ruthless from their album You in Black and White. Now, I don't know that much about the lives of the band, but I suspect there was a breakup in their past. <laughs> Around the time they did that second album, there's a lot of like really breakup y songs. Like that song, uh, there's one song that the chorus goes, uh, At least I got a song out of you. What did you get out of me? <laughs> some, like, really, some really harsh stuff in there. But uh, I love all three of their albums in increasing order. Uh, High Honey, which is the one where this theme song comes from. Best of the three, but they're all great. A little bit more to talk about. Uh, I'm going to play one more song and then get out of here. Um, there's been a conversation going on at uh, Doug K's wiki for IT Conversations. And so he's got a discussion going on about business models for the IT Conversations network, I guess. You can think of it like a network, right? It's got shows. It's got different shows kind of affiliated through him. And he's been, he started a wiki page and he kind of primed the pump with his initial thoughts. And then a lot of people have been chiming in. And what's weird is that my stance seems to be different from most people. I think absolutely the way to go with IT Conversations is to go exactly like it was a public broadcasting uh, you know, with one or two underwriting messages per show. Simple, short, underwriting style messages. People are hung up on this ads thing. Uh, this notion that if you take money for it, it's got to be these one minute, you know, uh, monster truck pull sounding horrible, you know, boring ads. And I don't think that's the case. I think a nice, you can get money for a nice, discreet, this show is sponsored by... You know, and then a 15-second insert. I got that. Like I said in my post on the wiki, I was getting 100 bucks a week for Reality Break, which, uh, you know, had a reasonable listenership. It was only on eight stations max ever. And for a while there, you know, it was on like three or four. Uh, and I was able to get 100 bucks a week for a 15-second message. And I see no reason why you, you couldn't do the same similar things and get some money coming in. And maybe, you know, the more downloaded shows, you get more or you pay per download or something. But, but something like that. And most people really seem to be leaning towards subscribership. And I just, I just feel in my bones that that's the wrong direction to go with IT conversations. Because the thing about subscribership is that... I would pay to get most of their shows. I would not pay to get all the shows. And let's let's bear in mind too, I should disclaim this, is that, you know, as one of the show hosts and somebody who creates programming on IT conversations, you know, I got a horse in this race, right? Depending on how it goes, uh, you know, some of that trickles back to me. I mean, it's just the way it works, right? I'm, I am not a disinterested party. This is not academic to me. You know, ultimately, some small fraction of this funnels back into my wallet. So most people are about subscribers, you know, subscri taking money from subscribers. And when you do that, even as good as the stuff is, um, you put pressure on taking listeners out of the pool. And you begin to have, however you lock it up, and whether it's, you know, you lock up the old stuff or you lock up the new stuff, but now you have unequal access across their programming. And when you do that, what you eliminate is what they're on pace to do, which is be the audio source of record for this class of interviews. 
So the brand is kind of built up. IT Conversations is the place. They've got this archive now of almost 300 shows on you know an ever-widening variety of topics. I mean, my show is there partly to broaden the, the scope of what they do on there. You know, it's not just talking about... It started all as interviews on web services, and now you've got, you know, people talking about entertainment and, and wider topics and than that. But, see, I think you can do better by making it the channel of record, making all these things available to anyone at any time for free, all open, bloggable, linkable, and take money for that attention that you're renting from people. And I, I think going the subscriber route is going to reduce or eliminate the path of becoming the audio source of record. And I think that's kind of a sad thing. And it just, the, the other thing is, is, as a practical matter, and I've sort of learned this, is that in general, you know, barring some kind of uh, extenuating circumstances, if it's, a, if it's all the same, if it's coin toss either way, you're going to make the same amount of money. It's always easier to make that money by getting a couple big checks than many, many small checks. It's just the way it works. And, you know, Doug in his initial posts was saying how he doesn't have time to do a lot of sales stuff. Well, uh, if you do subscribership, Doug's going to be in the customer service business. He's going to have to support the subscriber stuff. And unless it's freakishly rock solid for, you know, a web-based subscriber thing, there's going to be problems. Some people will pay and not get in. Some people will get in without paying. Uh, you know, uh, confirmation emails will go awry and get trapped by spam filters. And people's accounts will get, you know, passwords will get lost and accounts will get hosed and people's you know lose their email addresses and can't recover their password and all the human foibles Doug will now have to be a party to getting this straight because he took their money for access to his shows and he's got to do a good faith effort to make sure people can access them and this is like the guys at Fiction Wise you know a lot of their day is spent in dealing with issues just like this I think it would be easier and he could even, you know, outsource it or just have somebody working on commission for him. It'd be easier to get the underwriting and just, you know, every three or six or 12 months readdress the issue. Get the check, cash it, don't worry about it again. You know, you're going to have a fairly small pool of people. And it might be a little trouble at the beginning to kind of get your pool of people who want to underwrite you. But eventually, I suspect it would even get kind of self-sustaining in that people would come to you for underwriting after a while. And uh, the trick is just getting the first couple on the hook, you know, the first few people to bridge the chasm that, hey, this downloadable show is something I'm willing to pay to have my sponsorship announcement in, and I'm going to get some value out of it. In Seth Godin-type territory, he's a big proponent of the empirical measuring of these things. Uh, your sponsorship announcement ought to be to some special uh, earl. That's not just your main URL that like, gives you a discount for IT Conversations users. So you can measure how many people come from that. And then you know if your money, is, is it, how much do you normally pay to get a new customer? How much did you pay IT Conversations? And how many new customers did you get? Is that in line? Are you doing better or worse than you normally do? So, I mean, these are things worth thinking about. But it, I found it kind of odd that so many people are so directly... Um, going straight to subscribership model 
And it may just be that people go with what they're used to. And like Doc Searle says, people started calling what we do content when people started thinking about the internet as the container business. You know, as, as this is the payload and something we move across rather than a place we meet in the middle. And to me, uh, underwriting is the model of the commons, the meeting in the middle. Oh, and by the way, the people who made this possible for us to join here in the courtyard is these guys. And everyone else is thinking, uh, you know, of the hand stamp and the nightclub type <laughs> where you pay to have access to it. And I, I think the other way might be the better way and might better be in keeping with what we're doing here. I certainly, when I think about this, I would much rather n never, ever have uh, a pay subscription for any form of podcast I do. I would much rather just get uh, people, I would rather rent a little bit of people's attention to uh, somebody who is willing to, uh, who somebody who feels they have something to gain by being associated with the program. By letting people know that not only do we care about this program, but we're willing to give them money so that they can keep bringing it to you. You know, Volkswagen does this with This American Life. I hear, I, I, the most I hear about the Touareg is Ira Glass telling me about it every week. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't know a damn thing about the Touareg. But I know that Volkswagen cares enough to keep This American Life's lights turned on. And, it, you know, if I was choosing between Volkswagen, if I had a Volkswagen and, you know, somewhere, some other car, and it was a completely arbitrary choice, you know, same price, same value, all that kind of stuff, I might very well go towards the Volkswagen because I know that that helps with this American life. And I can see the same kind of dynamic being possible here. Now, whether or not it actually is happening, I don't know. Um, one little bit of goofiness to get out of the way, one little bit of technical stuff, a song, and we're gone. The goofiness is, and I don't know if anyone will ever notice any difference, but I'm doing this slightly different in the uh, ergonomics of how I do this show. Normally, because I don't, I have this fairly cheap Office Depot chair that kind of squeaks when I go forwards and backwards, when I tilt the thing. And normally to keep from filling my podcast up with squeaky noises, I sit bolt upright and I put the little lever in so that the, sh the chair can't tilt back. And, you know, when you're doing this for half an hour, that may not be the most, you know, it's very good schoolroom posture, but it's not the most comfortable. So what I've opted for now is I'm tilted back as far as it goes. So far back that I'm in danger of falling backwards, which I have done very recently. I was on the phone with Danny Gregory, and I fell backwards out of my chair at one point. And uh, so I'm leaned back, and I've got the mic right in my face, and I'm just sort of... I'm. I'm get the laptop sitting in my lap instead of up on the desk and I just kind of feel what I feel like is Tom Snyder on the old tomorrow show if you're you know my age or older you remember this came on after Johnny Carson and it was really weird because you'd watch it and these people are all like slumped back in these big overstuffed chairs well I'm doing this basically about the same way I'm slumped back in a big chair so I feel like uh, uh, I feel like Tom Snyder interviewing you know Dan Aykroyd in 1979 oh and Tom, in Tom Snyder uh, memories, I snuck out of bed the night that The Clash was on <laughs> The Tomorrow Show and turned it up like really quiet, as loud as I could turn it on without waking anybody and you know, got up at midnight or whatever time it came on to watch the show just so I could see The Clash because I was so excited about seeing it. Uh, like tw 11 years old or 12 years old, something like that. Uh, a rebellious punk in footy pajamas, that was me. Um, and then I got, I, I tried the new version of Audacity, 
And I don't even remember if I'm using the new version or the old one at this. Let me check the about box. So I'm using the 1.2.3, which is just out. It's the first upgrade in a few months. It's supposed to solve some of these Mac OS crashing problems, and I have seen them. This, the, the missing episode that happened when I was in Chicago was from that crashing problem, where if you're playing the audio and it's having trouble keeping up with it, it would crash. And that was where I had not saved my, uh, had not saved the episode, and then I started editing it, and in the playback, you see it was getting slow and it couldn't keep up with it, and it just crashed, and I lost the whole thing. So they said that they have fixed that. Well, I installed it, and when I would, had fired it up earlier, it was crashing left and right. And I don't know what the deal is, but I fired up the 1.22, you know, backed up a little bit, and it was crashing left and right too. Like every time I stopped, every time I was not doing something with it and let it sit for about 10 seconds, it would just disappear. So I just rebooted. I think I had something weird going on in the computer uh, from installing the stuff or something, I don't know, running out of memory. And uh, thus far, 1.23 hasn't crashed on me, but then... Uh, I never had the problem with record. It was always at editing time. So we'll see if 123 is better. And just want to play you a Brad Sucks song. And I'm going to be playing You're Not Going Anywhere, which is uh, another one of the, the demos that Brad has podcast. And before I get into it, I want to play this little word from a sponsor. Not really a sponsor, but a little note of philosophy. And then Brad Sucks with the song you're not going anywhere. The demo version of You're Not Going Anywhere from Brad Sucks. But first, this. And there used to be a way to stick it to the man. It was called rock and roll. But guess what? Oh no. The man ruined that too with a little thing called MTV! Drunk and losing ground. Broken up and down. The only way I've found to shake I've got what it takes to help you make mistakes, to put you through a phase that's harder than it seems. I'm not saying anything you haven't heard before. No one's gonna wait for you to wake up Changing all your scenery Saying you don't care You're not going
We did what you told us. We stuck it to the man. All right, that was Brad Sucks with You're Not Going Anywhere, the demo version from the Brad Sucks podcast of his own tunes that he's working on. Awesome stuff. A little little more, I don't know what you would call it, a little more Beatlesque, a little more tuneful than uh, a lot of Brad's stuff. It's like his crooning song, his power ballad. Uh, I really like that one, partly because it's so different from a lot of his stuff. So that has been the episode for November 30th, 2004. Didn't get to the BitTorrent experiment, as Nicole Simon has asked. I do want to be your podcast daddy, so I'm going to get to that. I actually did do my script that parses out the BitTorrent tracker logs and puts them into a database. So now via doing SQL queries, I can tell you, you know, what percentage uh, of all the, uh, you know, BitTorrent 342s, uh, you know, uploaded, what was their share ratio as they were, you know, what were the share ratio of iPodders versus Azureus versus other things. And so I can generate all kinds of interesting statistics, and I'll talk about that next time. And uh, I found stuff that kind of goes against what a lot of people keep saying about BitTorrent. But that's just a teaser. I'll let you, uh, I'll explore that more fully. I don't think I'll make that the main topic of the next one of these. We'll be all about BitTorrent, uh, you know, what I do, because people keep asking me what I do, how I do it, what I have found, what the statistics tell me. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for missing it. (laughs) I appreciate that, PJ. Uh, This is Dave Slusher from sunny Conway, South Carolina. If you have any feedback, you can send it to dslusher at gmail.com. I am still accepting audio feedback, so send that if you've got some. Uh, The text blog is at evilgeniuschronicles.org, and the show notes will be up there if you want to go to links of things I talked about. And otherwise, I will catch you next time. I just want to leave one word of wisdom as we depart out of here. Don't let the man get you down. All right, y'all. Bye.